Blog Talk Radio. This is the 4 FCS Fanatics Radio Show with your hosts, Adam Willie, Preston Adams, Dakota Collins, and Jeff Wigton. And now, here's the show. It's another shorthanded edition of the 4 FCS Fanatics Show. As there's only two of us again this week, I'm Dakota Collins, and I'm joined by Adam Willie. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing pretty good, Dakota. Don't have basketball tonight, so I'm glad I'm back. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back. You've been gone a few weeks. <laughs> what you been doing? Uh, I've actually been helping out at our D3 school here in Nor- Bloomington Normal with their basketball program. They're actually playing tonight at University of Illinois College. So I didn't get to go, so I get to be back here with my good buddy, Dakota. <clears throat> and we're glad to have you back. Um, so I guess we should if just dive right alone. in. Oh, yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> we don't want a one-man show. Uh, do, you, do you want to start with your conferences? Recapping what happened last week? No, or let's, I can go ahead and jump in. I'll look at mine. You know, you go ahead while I look at mine quick. All right, so I'm also doing Preston's from this past week. So starting off in the MEAC, we had Delaware State get an upset win of North Carolina Central 28-13. to You know, before that game, Delaware State was winless on the season, let alone in the conference. So they picked up their first win of the season. Nebraska, no problem with Bethune-Cookman, 45-9. to Another little upset, South Carolina State over Howard, 27-21. Savannah State ran over Norfolk State, 32-3. And Florida A&M had no problem with Morgan State, 38-3. And just looking at the standings real quick, for the MEAC, Florida A&M is still in first. They're 5-0 in the conference, 6-2 overall. <laughs> North Carolina A&T is in second. Also 6-2 and two overall, but 3-1 and one in the conference. They do have that one conference loss earlier to Morgan State and Howard. And South Carolina State are tied at three and two. Okay, if I jump and in for a second. To... I'm sorry. Okay, if I jump in for a second, because Preston sent me a comment yeah. he wanted me to mention. He wanted to mention that Florida A and M wins this week, they clinch that conference title. Well, there you so go. It, they would so clinch they the celebration bowl. Yep, whoever if they beat whoever they're playing this week, I can't remember who. They get their out of get into that celebration bowl, and we could see A&T in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's one of my key games for the MEAC is they play at Howard this week. <clears throat> so going to the Patriot, uh, the much-anticipated much undefeated Patriot battle last week, Colgate in Georgetown was a route Colgate. Stays undefeated, 38 to nothing. yet another shutout for the Raiders. Lafayette defeated Fordham 21-13, and Holy Cross shut out Lehigh 56 to nothing. Colgate still leads the Patriots. They're still undefeated on the season. Georgetown falls to second place at 3-1 in the conference. And that, in my mind, that basically just uh, locked up the Patriot for Colgate, unless they just falter somehow at the end of the season. Um, going to the Colonial, Rhode Island got a much-needed win over William & Mary 21-10. 
Maine defeated Albany 28-9. to uh, New Hampshire got a big shutout over Villanova, 34 to nothing. I don't know what's happening to Villanova. They have done a complete 180 from the team they were at the beginning of the season. And last week's game of the week, Delaware defeated Towson 40 to 36 in a barn burner. Ooh. And James Madison survived Stony Brook 13 to 10. Any of those jump out to you? I was say, besides New Hampshire turning it around. That was a big improvement from their start of the season. And then, I don't know if you got to watch that that James Madison game. That was a hold-your-breath type game at the end. They barely yeah, I didn't get to watch any one. of it, but I, I was following it. I, I caught just the end right after NDSU's win, and that was a big hold-your-breath type moment for JMU fans. Just going back real quick to Villanova. You know, they were 3-0 and to start the season. They're 0-5 in the Colonial. Like, I don't know what happened to the Wildcats, but they're probably just looking forward to basketball season. Oh, um, with that problem, who wouldn't be? <laughs> <clears throat> then going to my conferences, the Southern Conference, Wofford got a big win over Mercer, 42-21. Furman defeated the Citadel, 28-17. Chattanooga squeaked by VMI 34-27 and East Tennessee State keeps the dream alive. Triple overtime win against Western Carolina 45-43 and in the the Southern Conference we have a two-way tie for first between East Tennessee State and Wofford but Wofford would get the tiebreaker because Wofford did win the head-to-head. And then going to the OVC, Austin P defeated Tennessee Tech 41-10. Jacksonville State bounced back from a loss to SEMO. They routed Murray State 42-15 to to give the Racers their first OVC loss. Uh, Southeast Missouri defeated Tennessee Martin 56-33. And East, Eastern Kentucky, I almost said East Carolina, Eastern <laughs> Kentucky defeated Eastern Illinois 31-23. to And despite the loss to SEMO, Jacksonville State is technically in first place in the OVC just because they do have – they have played an extra conference game. They're at five and one. Southeast Missouri's at four and one. But that that will be made up for Chase, at the end of the year. Yeah, if JSU wants that automatic qualifier, they gotta hope Southeast Missouri can lose in these next three weeks. Um then finishing up with the SWAC, Southern defeated Jackson State forty one to seven. Alabama A and M got the Magic City Classic win over Alabama State twenty seven to ten. Texas Southern defeated Mississippi Valley State 42-14. Alcorn State defeated Prairie View 27-13. And Grambling, they trailed the majority of this game, but they pulled it out against Arkansas Pine Bluff 45-38. And that wraps up my conferences. Uh, I'll start with mine. And I'll, I'll do – I'm actually going to alphabetical order between my GFs. All right. Uh, starting the big, big sky, we had Weber State pulling it out. I think it was in the end against North UND North Dakota thirty five to thirty. We had let's see that was that was a they had a touchdown no they had a they barely hold, held on to that one. And then Eastern Washington they beat Idaho thirty eight to fourteen. UC Davis they had a huge fourth quarter comeback win. Went forty nine to twenty one over UC Davis. Or UC Davis had a forty nine to twenty one comeback win 
over Montana. Uh, Idaho State beat Montana State 24 to 17. Northern Arizona lost to Cal Poly 38-28. Portland State beat Sacramento State 41-14. And Northern Colorado wins their second straight game to go 2-7 on the year. They beat Southern Utah 42-39. Any of those games stand out to you, Dakota? Um. I really liked Weber's win over uh, North Dakota because North Dakota, you know, they've been a really one of the surprise teams of the year. They got some key wins. Mm-hmm. I know one of them was against Sam Houston State. And I think they also routed Montana. So for Weber to uh, <clears throat> get that win, to really stay paced for the top of the Big Sky Conference, but everyone's chasing UC Davis. And UC Davis' big second half against Montana. Oh, because no I thought it was hilarious. You know, someone had posted in the group, you know, what's what's wrong with UC Davis? And it was like oh. tied or they're trailing like late they're in the third. Like three, and then UC, yeah, like UC four. Davis went on. Yeah, UC Davis went on to score like 42 unanswered points <laughs> after was that was posted. 40, it was 46 unanswered points. Yeah, yeah. so I think everyone's just chasing UC Davis there. right now. No kidding. That's going to be a big game for them next week when they go to – I think they go to Shaney, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's on the road. next. Yeah, it's at Shaney. It would be a tough game for both teams. Then moving on to Jeff's Big South Conference, we had Monmouth beating Presbyterian 24-14, to Gardner-Webb beating the Camels. Campbell Camels, 35-17, or 35-7. Jeez, I can't read. And then we had Kennesaw State beating Charleston Southern, 38-10. to Any of those stand out to you? <coughs> really, Gardner's Webb. Big win over – I know Campbell's not really a prestigious football program, but they were having a pretty solid year, so to really just get manhandled by – I think my Gardner Webb has really just been everybody's floor map this year. That really surprised me. Yeah, Campbell's now five and three overall. They're now zero and two in the conference with two. I think it's two. Yeah, two straight conference losses. Yeah, they lost to Monmouth last week. Yep. Then moving on to the let's do the one other game in Independence. Hampton beat. Virginia Lynch, 51-28. And the other one we mentioned earlier was the UND loss. Then the Ivy League, we got Penn beat Brown, 13-7. Columbia beat Yale with a 14-point second half, 17-10. Princeton remains undefeated with a 66-0 statement over Cornell. And Dartmouth also remains undefeated with a 24-17 win over Harvard. Any of those stand out to you? Just the two-headed monster, the Ivy League, really Princeton and Dartmouth. Princeton's just been mowing down the competition all season. And Dartmouth, they had been doing the same, but they had a little test against Harvard, but they were able to really come out with the win to set up, you know, our game of the week this week between Princeton and Dartmouth. 
Exactly. That's going to be a fun game for them this week. Then moving on to the Missouri Valley, we had South Dakota State holding on after a 21-point comeback in the fourth quarter by Illinois State, 38-28. Youngstown State lost to Indiana State, 43-17. Southern Illinois beat Missouri State, 49-35. I know this game Jeff was really happy about, as he told me earlier this week. Western Illinois upset 17th. Ranked Northern Iowa 37-17. And North Dakota State, as usual, dominates South Dakota 59-14. Anything stand out to you? Yeah, I told Jeff last week that, you know, Western Illinois was going to be a trap game for Northern Iowa because, you know, they had that big win last week against South mm-hmm. Dakota State at home. And then next, next week they get Illinois State at home. So for them to go on the road against a – Tough Western Illinois. I felt this was a trap game for the Panthers, and it turned out to be true because they lost by, you know, twenty. Um, yeah. I expected South Dakota State to win. I watched some of that game. Not a lot of defense mm-hmm. in that one when I was watching it. But Indiana State—they're really. having a pretty good year for you know Indiana State standards. But to just really just—I know Youngstown's been down this year, but it was just manhandle Youngstown the way they did, uh, and to be four and four Indiana. this late in the season. Yeah, they're you know, four and four in the season, two and three in the conference. That's four more yeah, wins. Yeah, Sycamores are improvement. Yeah, they're getting they're getting some confidence for hopefully that can translate to next season as well. Yeah, no kidding. All right, then we got the Northeast Conference. That's Jeff's second conference. We have a load for me. We had Central Connecticut State winning big over Wagner. 49-24. We had St. Francis at Pennsylvania beating Robert Morris 20-7. And Sacred Heart beat Bryant 49-26. Anything stand out there to you? Not really. Uh, the teams that should have won one. So Bryant, who was Two and zero in the con. I think they. I know they lost. I want to say they lost a couple of weeks ago as well. They were having a pretty good season. Yeah. Uh, no, they 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 beat Florida, but yeah, they got the two times they faced the top teams in the NEC. You know, Central Connecticut and Sacred Heart. They have lost pretty badly. So that's what you see from some of these teams. Like we talked about Villanova already, and we talked about Campbell. You know, these teams, yeah. they do all right out of conference, but then once they start conference, they really just fall flat. Mm-hmm. And then we move on to the Pioneer League, Jeff's last conference. We had Dayton beating Butler 38-28. Stetson in a high-scoring game beat Davidson 56-53. to Marist beat Moorhead State 48-21. to Drake beat Valparaiso 42-25. to Another high-scoring game, San Diego beat Jacksonville 59-35. to Anything stand out, Dakota? Same thing as the Northeast. The teams that should have won, won. Uh, all the top teams to beat up on the bottom of the conference. So uh, I take it that this is one of those conferences that doesn't play defense because 
you know, the least amount of points really. scored was 21. So, yeah. The highest amount scored was 59. Then we've got you know, our last conference. We've got Southland. we got Sam Houston State beat Southeast Louisiana 28-25. We had Nichols beat Incarnate Word forty-eight to twenty-one. That was a bit. I thought that was a big game for Nichols after Incarnate oh, really yeah. beat up McNeese about two weeks ago. Then we had Lamar beat Stephen F. Austin twenty-four to twenty twenty-four seventeen. We had McNeese beat Central Arkansas twenty-three to twenty-one, and Northwestern State beat Houston Baptist. 31 to 28. A lot of, there was three games that were within one score last week. Anything stand out to you? Like you already said, Nichols really dominant win over Incarnate Word because Jeff and I was talking a lot last week about how, it, you know, beginning of the season, Incarnate Word wasn't even thought about to make the playoffs and they were in a position in the conference to really fight for that automatic qualifier, especially after just dominating McNeese last week. Um, they had only one conference left and just go out and lose like that to Nichols. And their schedule doesn't get any easier because the next two weeks they play Sam Houston and Central Arkansas. I mean, they could probably beat Sam Houston, but they'll probably lose to Central Arkansas. Um, and then McNeese defeating Central Arkansas because McNeese has been one of those teams that really hasn't looked – like a serious playoff contender. You know, they they have the number of wins, but their wins haven't been impressive. And their losses mm-hmm. have been ugly. Now, one of those was to BYU, but like then that loss to Incarnate Word, you know, by 28. But then they go and beat Abilene Christian by three. Stephen F. Austin by seven. Yep. I mean, I can't really follow them for winning because that's the important thing is that you are winning. But – yeah. It worries me that if they make if they make the playoffs and if they get deeper in the playoffs, how long they can really keep that up. Yeah, no kidding. So that was it finishing up all these conferences. So All right. So I guess we can move on to recapping last week's game of the week. Yep. Works um, for me. Honest, last week we had Towson at Delaware. You know, <laughs> recapping this game, Towson had an 18 to six halftime lead, and then they got outscored 34 to 18 in the second half. And when I was looking you know, at the box score, the first thing I noticed was Towson settled for way too many field goals. They were four for four on field goals, but three of those four were less than 30 yard attempts. They had a 27, 21, and 29 yard field goal. So the offense was able to move the ball, but they couldn't punch it in the end zone. And you just got to think, if one of those one of those f- short field goals turns into a touchdown, you're going to overtime. And like I said, the oh, offense yeah. was moving the ball because they outgained Delaware four, four, 451 to 340. They held Delaware to just 35 rushing yards. And Towson was about as efficient as you can be on offense. They had 226 rushing yards and 225 passing yards. And Delaware actually had a negative one turnover. When you look at the box score, you would think Towson ran away with this game. But then Towson had nine penalties, 
Delaware only had three. Delaware forced him to punt three times, and Towson was only able to force one punt. Towson did get the go-ahead rushing touchdown with two minutes and one second left, but then Delaware got the game-winner three-yard touchdown pass with 30 seconds left. It was a good quarterback Mm -hmm. battle. Uh, Tom Flacco from Towson, he only completed 50% of his passes. Mm -hmm. His 21 of 42, threw for 225 yards, two touchdowns, one interception for a 106 quarterback rating. And then Kehoe Mm -hmm. from Delaware was 18 of 32, 305 yards, four touchdowns to one interception for a 171.3 quarterback rating. Yeah. And if you think about it, Delaware didn't score in that game until four minutes and 45 seconds left of that first half. Right. Eight nothing until that point after two field goals and a safety. Then Towson didn't score a touchdown until 18 seconds left of that same half. That shows how much they capitalized on their field goals that game. They get, like you said earlier, if they get one, they get, turn one of those field goals into a touchdown. Towson wins that game. Right. Because that would have put him at – wait, no. If they would have the forced overtime. That would win the game. They would have at least forced yeah. overtime. That's right. I can't do math tonight. <laughs> I thought that was – I watched a little bit of it. I thought that was a good game overall for both teams offensively. That was at least. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to watch any of it. Um, but when I was looking at, like, the the scoring updates for the game, and you just – it's a tale of two halves because Towson scored, yeah. you know, the, the first three times. Um, they only gave up one scoring drive in the first half. But then you go to the mm-hmm. uh, second half, and it's mostly all Delaware. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, props to – um. Delaware for making the half necessary halftime adjustments. And I think this is the part where Preston would say um, those chickens are up to something because you know Delaware, you know they started the season with high expectations. They lose their season opener to Rhode Island. But since that opening loss, they've only lost to the number one team in the country, North Dakota State. And they have beaten some impressive teams on the way. They've beaten Richmond. They've beaten Elon. They got a road road win against New Hampshire. And then last week, another top ten win against Towson. And they have a pretty favorable schedule to close out the season. Two of their last three games are on the road, but they do face Albany and Villanova. Those should be two really easy wins for Delaware so if I'm a Delaware fan, I'm thinking I have a playoff spot locked up if I'm the fighting Blue Hens because they're sitting at third in the Colonial right now. Uh, they don't have to face James Madison, um, which is always a plus if you're in the Colonial, especially in recent years. But just looking at how close the Colonial is as a conference, you have four. the top four teams are all sitting at four and one. And then fifth place, Elon, is at three and one. So the top five teams in the Colonial are sending just one loss in the conference. <clears throat> you have Towson, James Madison, Delaware, Maine, and Elon. So it's really just going to be a fight to the death for that 
you know, automatic qualifier for the playoffs. And I would not be surprised if the Colonial gets at least three playoff bids from this conference. And really four if you throw in Elon. But Maine is kind of that forgotten team in this mix because they're sitting at five and three overall, but they are four and one in the conference. And they got a big win last week against Albany. Now, they haven't had to play James Madison, and I don't think they do this year. And they have a tough test this week at at Towson, excuse me. But, you know, they've taken care of business in the Colonial. They beat Villanova. They beat Rhode Island, which was a huge win on the road. And then they falter that, you know, next week to William and Mary. Then they bounce back with a three-possession win against Albany. Maine's kind of that team you really can't forget. And then you still got to look at Stony Brook sitting in the sixth spot. You know, the Seawolves, you know, they had high expectations, especially how they started the season, and then almost knocking off the number two team in the country last weekend, James Madison. They played Delaware next week. They get a bye week, and they fight, or they play this fight in Blue Heron's team. And I think that I think that game is a must win for Stony Brook if they want a chance at an at large bid for the F- FCS playoffs. They're one of the teams that really just have to win out. They have two games left, Delaware and Albany. You cannot afford to lose one of those games if you're Stony Brook to get to the FCS playoffs. And that's how a lot of these conferences are are shaping out. You know, the Colonial is very tight. The Big Sky is very tight. The Southern is very tight. These conferences are not really a guaranteed yet. Yo, what's up? What I was mostly talking about was um, how the Colonial, you look at the Colonial standings, the top four yeah. teams are all four and one in the conference. And even the fifth place team in Elon is three and one. So the top five teams in the conference only have one conference loss. This conference is going to be a a bloodbath for that automatic qualifier spot. Oh, yeah. And then you look at you look at Stony Brook, they're sixth place. They almost knocked off James Madison this past week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Looking at their remaining schedule, they get they get a bye week this week and then they play Delaware and Albany. In my Ooh. opinion they have to win out. They want a chance at the playoffs. But looking at the Colonial, mm-hmm. I think they could easily get three three playoff spots. I think they could get least. four. Yeah, I'm leaning towards four, especially with Elon. I mean, I think oh, yeah. I think Towson, James Madison, and Delaware are locks right now. Mm-hmm. I think Maine, Elon, and Stony Brook, and pro- I don't know what Rhode Island's remaining schedule is. Well, really, if Rhode Island can win out, they could grab it too because they have Elon and James Madison. There's two chances right have there to, up to boost up their resume. Yeah. That could help them out if they win both those games. If, I think if they win both those games, they could get in. Yeah, they'll I don't see how they don't. They win both, the, both those games are on the road, the conference. too. Are they both on the road? I saw one of them was. They are both on the road. If they somehow can win both those two games, I could see them swooping in. And I could see it being Rhode Island, Delaware, Maine. No, I could see it being them, Delaware, JMU, and Towson. 
Yeah. If if Rhode Island comes in and wins those three, possibly they could possibly get five in if that happens. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It, that could be the one conference we see this year with five. All right. Ready to move on to the stats top 25 for the week? Yeah, sure. Let me pull that up. All right, I got it up here. I'm just going to start by – I'm just going to break this down into sections. We'll just start with the top ten. Uh, number one yeah. is no surprise, North Dakota State. Number two is Kennesaw State. Number three is James Madison. Number four is Weber State. Number five, Eastern Washington. Number six, UC Davis. Number seven, South Dakota State. Number eight is Elon. Number nine is Wofford. And at number 10 is Jacksonville State. So what stands out to you in that first, in that top 10 for the stats this week? To be honest, the Jacksonville State is back in the top 10. Yeah. No offense. Still don't see them as top 15. For sure. I mean, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, despite that's where my bias lies. Um, I don't think JSU has done anything to prove that they're top 10. I mean, I could see them closer to the 15 range, but you look at teams that are behind them, like McNeese, Delaware, yeah, Illinois State, Towson. Like, how is Towson at number 15? And how is Weber State at number four? They are, what is it, third, I think, in their conference, I believe. And they are, let me look, I believe they're second or third in their conference. Yeah, they're, they're listed as third in their conference. Uh, they're listed as number four. Is that based off of head-to-head? If they beat Eastern Washington, but they didn't play UC Davis, so they, I don't think they should be above Davis. So that's my question. Is, you know, UC Davis, they're 7-1. and one. They mm-hmm. have an FBS win this season. They took they, another top ten FBS team. They held. I mean, they only lost by twenty, and yeah. they're undefeated in the Big Sky. So I don't see yeah, how you have two Big Sky below. teams ranked ahead mm-hmm. of UC Davis. Like I understand Weber being ahead of Eastern, but not UC Davis. Yeah, I I agree. And then continuing, uh, number eleven is McNeese State. Number twelve is Colgate. 13 is Delaware, 14, Illinois State, number 15 is Towson, 16 Stony Brook, 17 is North Carolina A&T, number 18 is Princeton, 19 is Central Arkansas, and number 20 is Nichols. Um, a lot of Southland in that 11 through 20. Well, no kidding. And with how that conference <laughs> is this year, I'm kind of surprised. I'm glad to see Delaware – no, was it Delaware? Yes, he moved up. Yeah, Delaware. I'm glad it's really <coughs> yeah, Delaware took out a huge leap. Kind of surprised Illinois State went down three. I think they could have gone down a little more. But I think it's just the level of competition, but they have lost back-to-back games. Three. So, uh, yeah, I'm still surprised to see yeah. them in the top 15. Three Southland teams in the top 20. Excuse you can me. add in four in the top 21 because number 21 That's is that. Sam Houston State. I was going to say four in the top 25. And that conference this year, I'm really surprised. Jeez. Yeah, because, you know, that conference is really not considered one of the strongest in FCS. No. 
And I so, say this every every week. I'm a broken record. But I just I just don't get the infatuation with Sam Houston State. They beat a three win team last week by three points and they move up two spots. Yeah. I was very surprised by that. And then still waiting for them to give Princeton a little more love. Right. I think in mine, in mine, they're number seven in my poll. I think yeah, I have them in my personal top ten as well. I have them by far top team this year, but yet they're sitting at number eighteen. I feel like a lot of the stats polls just has to do with name recognition. I was honestly surprised that they even dropped out U and I because they've they've also had an infatuation with U and I this season. Yeah. U and I that's and they and they dropped I understand they dropped out U N D because they were very they were really low, I believe. Yeah. And U and I they dropped out from number teens, it completely dropped out. Yeah, so rounding out the top 25, you know, we already said Sam Houston State's at number 21. East Tennessee State's at number 22. Number 23 is Maine. Number 24 is undefeated Dartmouth. And number 25 is Southeast Missouri State. And some others receiving votes, North Dakota, Northern Iowa, Florida A&M, Chattanooga, Idaho State, and Rhode Island. Is there any team in that receiving votes category that you would put in the top 25? And if there is one, who would you replace in the top 25 for that team? To be honest, I kind of want to say you and I. Right. And I would probably replace them. I'd probably replace Sam Houston State with them. Look at my schedule real quick. What do you know? What North Dakota North Dakota was ranked last week? What was that? Do you know what North Dakota was ranked last week? Uh, I just looked. Actually, they were twenty-two. They were like twenty. They're 22. I think they're I would have 22. kept North Dakota in the poll because losing to Weaver by five, who is a top five team according to stats, I don't think that's anything to really drop more than three three spots over. But I would also take out Sam Houston State because <laughs> we're going to sound like a hater because of those every week, but I just don't see how they're ranked. I don't see what they've done to prove a top 25 ranking. So I would put North Dakota back in the top 25 and replace Sam Houston State with them. I also got the committee's top 10 up since they were released last night. That was last night. So the committee's top ten, which is a little different than the stats. Uh, Number one is North Dakota State. Number two is James Madison. Number three is UC Davis. Number four is Weber State. Number five is Elon. That surprises me a little bit. 
Number six, Kennesaw yeah, State. Number seven, South Dakota State. Eight is Wofford. Nine, Eastern Washington, and ten, Delaware. Yeah, yeah. two things that stand out to me is Elon's all the way at number five, and Eastern Washington's all the way down at number nine. I probably, honestly, would flip Eastern and Wofford and then flip Eastern and Elon. Because Eastern, in my opinion, they're still a top five team. I know they lost Gage this past week, but I was talking with Kelsey and Kyler this week. Their backup, Eric, I can't remember his last name. He's a huge stud. I've watched him quite a bit this year since he's come in. He has the, he doesn't have the name recognition like Gage did, but he is a huge player for them right now. I think he could lead them to at least quarterfinals, if not semifinals this year. Yeah, I have Eastern Washington higher up in my top ten. I don't even have Elon in my top ten. I can't remember where I have. I have Elon in. I have them at number eight. Like Wofford, I have them all the way down at 15. Yeah, they're in at number eight. I'll just go ahead and say my top ten. Um, so I do agree, North Coast State, number one. That's about the only place I agree with these polls. North Coast State, number one. I have UC Davis, number two. James Madison, number three. Weber State, number four. Eastern Washington, number five. Kennesaw State, number six. South Dakota State, number seven. Wofford, number eight. Colgate at nine. And Princeton at ten. We already touched on it a little bit earlier, but that UC Davis, Eastern Washington will Oh, yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm really a, a lot. Right now. You're fine. I'm technical difficulties with my computer right now, so. It's falling apart on me again. <laughs> so are we just going through our top tens now? Yeah, if you just want to throw yours out there. Yeah. NDSU won. Honestly, I have AMU at two. Tennessee, I have at three. Eastern, four. UC Davis, five. Weber, six. Princeton, seven. Eight. Elon, nine. Towson, ten. SDSU. I like that we're both believers in Princeton. Really, a lot of these spots are just really you could toss a coin. Really, just start with the second spot. You know, UC Davis, James Madison, Kennesaw State. You know, any of those teams could really be in that second spot. I've had Kennesaw State so low just because I don't feel like they've been tested, and I don't feel like. Um, yeah, I agree. Their biggest test they in my opinion that is high one. So yeah, far, their biggest they lost that game. probably week one, and they lost. I know they blew it at the end, but still. I think I said this last week, too, but I was going through and just figuring out 
the opponent records of teams. And Kennesaw's opponent record is just really bad. It's atrocious. Their opponents are 11 wins, 11 wins to 30 losses. Is that what I was know? Matthew posted every week. I can't remember what it was. Come on. The screw's coming out on the top here. I finally found it. Thank you. On three again. We're playing really well. well typical. Oh, I didn't even know I had that there. I'll put it in the fridge and have it tomorrow. There's a segment you haven't had a chance to do yet that we've been doing for the last few weeks. Ooh. Um, It's called Playoff Graveyard, and it's where... We usually just take the results from the last week and the teams who we feel like have just lost their chance at a playoff berth, we put them in the playoff graveyard. Um, For instance, let's see who I had to put in there last week. Last week I put Montana State, Sam Houston State, Missouri State, and Northern Arizona in the Mm -hmm. graveyard. So this week I have selected – First, I selected Campbell, who we talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah, they yep. got whooped 35-7 to to Gardner-Webb. They've started the Big South 0-2, and I just feel like that's too much to overcome to even be in contention for the automatic qualifier, and we know they're not getting that large bit. So, um, Campbell, I put, put them in the graveyard. Next, I put Prairie View. They lost 27-13 to to Alcorn State. They sit at 3-5 and five on the year. That's a loss in two straight weeks to the really the top teams in the SWAC in Southern and Alcorn. So I feel like they have no way of getting back from that. Third team I'm putting in the graveyard is Mercer. They fell to 4-4 four and four with a 42-21 loss to Wofford. Um, they could still, I mean, they could still win the Southern. But looking at the standings here, I mean, they're sitting at 3-2 and two in fourth, fourth place. They're behind Chattanooga, Wofford, and East Tennessee State. So I feel like that's too much overcome for Mercer to have a chance at the playoff berth. And then last is Incarnate Word, 48-21 loss to Nichols. They sit at 4-4. Four four. That loss puts – I thought I had it up. I do not. Who? But it puts them at 4-4 four four on the year. They were – they were – Tied for first in the Southland before that game. They're that loss. They're you know they're behind McNeese, Central Arkansas, and Nichols now. So that's like it's too much for the Cardinals to overcome. Yeah. Are there any other teams this past week you thought that um, may have had a chance at the playoffs that really don't anymore? You mentioned Montana. I did not. I think let me go back to my. Because with their, I thought with four loss or with three losses, they had a chance. So after their 
devastating heartbreaker against UC Davis, I would put them in that graveyard because they just did not look good at all in that fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. Even second half. Yeah, Montana, I feel like they just had too big uh, expectations coming into the season just because they hired, you know, Bobby back. Yeah. And the history he has at that program, I feel like they just put too much pressure on the football team mm-hmm. and just too short of a time because they are a really young team. And, I mean, they, oh, yeah. they show they were able to, you know, compete with UC Davis for three quarters. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just think give the, give the team a couple more seasons. I think Montana – Maybe back at near the top of the big sky, but I feel like yeah, I think so too. Going into the season, yeah, I think going into the season, they were just given really just unreal, unrealistic expectations, especially with how the program has been the last few seasons. Yeah, and then another team I'd have in that graveyard is Incarnate Word. I thought, you yeah. know, if they could win with how they played against McNeese, I thought, and then once I saw they were four and three overall, four and one in the conference. I thought, you know, if they can run this table, we could see them in the playoffs after only being in the league, what, five years now, if that. And that's that's after starting the program from scratch five years ago. I thought that was a huge improvement for them, and we could possibly see them in it this year once they got beat by Nichols. I think unless they somehow win out, they beat the last, was it two, three, I think three, two? If they can beat, unless they can somehow beat Sam Houston and Central Arkansas, I don't see them getting in. So I'd put them in. Yeah, they would, yeah they would need a lot of help because they would have to win out and Nichols would have to lose one more. And then McNeese would probably, I don't know if they played this. Uh, yeah, they, they beat so McNeese would have to lose one more. So they would have to have McNeese yeah. and Nichols lose one more conference game, and then they went out. I don't see McNeese losing one more. Now, Nichols I could see. I could see them losing to, like, southeast Louisiana. Because of how close they played um, last week. Yeah, we spent we spent a lot of time last week talking about Incarnate Word because you know we're talking about how they bought out the game. They were supposed to play North Alabama this year, but they bought it out to schedule Iowa State on December first. But that game won't be played if either Incarnate Word makes the playoffs or Iowa State makes the Big Twelve Championship. And I was talking about how you know when we first started this show, we were basically laughing at that because we we're like, well, those things aren't happening. But then here we are. If we were eight weeks to the season, and Incarnate yeah. Word was in first place of the Southland. <laughs> yeah. But now it seems like that game will be played. Same. But and it's a credit to you know Incarnate Word, and it really there's a lot of teams really just stepping out. You know this this year, I mean, just doing better than what they usually do. Like we talked about Indiana State earlier. Incarnate Word's one of those teams. East Tennessee State, who hasn't mm-hmm. won. They haven't won. Over six games, and I forgot how long they've already at. They're already at seven wins this season. So, yeah, it's good to see some of these programs really turn around, at least for this season, and hopefully continue building on that. Because I would like some of these Ohio Valley teams to step up 
I mean, Southeast Missouri yeah. did, but. <laughs> I was reading the article on that Iowa State schedule. Yeah. They're going to pay it worth $300,000, and they're going to turn their fight. Dang. I'll do that and not play the game. <laughs> I'd gladly take that argument and just accept to not play the game. Yeah, that's why a lot of these teams schedule games like that because it's a big payday. Yeah, that's what I think of when NDSU schedules these big games because it's a huge pay game for them and some of the games we have a good shot at winning. Right. Which I honestly don't think that was in our next CS game. Iowa or Oregon in two years. I honestly don't think it's winning that. I was actually, that was a topic a little bit last week with me and Jeff was, I don't know how I got on this topic, but I randomly looked up North Dakota State's schedule next year. And that out-of-conference is not easy. I mean, you start off with Butler, well, that should be an Butler, easy win. But then, I got my tickets today. Those went on sale yesterday kind of, for some of us. I got mine today, so we're going to that baseball field. Play. Oh, we play. But then after Butler's three pretty tough games, North Dakota, Delaware, and UC Davis. Yeah. Two of them are for at home. Yeah, you got to go to Delaware. Yeah, we have to go all the way up to Delaware. That's going to hurt. I think, that, if, I think that could be our – they're all really tough games. I think that could be a tough one going out to Delaware. Yeah, there's a lot of people posting – um, their team schedule for next year in the group. So that made me look up Jacksonville State's out of conference mm-hmm. for next season. And we How play Chattanooga it? East we play Chattanooga, Eastern Washington and North Alabama out of conference. Oh. I'm looking forward to seeing some of those fans go nuts if you lose one or two of those. Yeah. Because <coughs> that might be the first time in a few years you guys have actually had a really tough at a conference. Yeah, because, well, you know, like this year we played North Carolina A&T, but then it was like we played um, Mississippi Valley State after that. Like, that's not but, – but all three of these yeah, games are pretty tough. You have to have at least one easy year at a conference. Come on now. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's why uh, – uh, I don't know who's easier against us, Chattanooga or North Alabama. <laughs> We want to move on to the next part of our schedule. Yeah, okay. So in my notes, what's next is is my research that kind of didn't really help my point any. (laughs) Because my get off the line segment was going to be people just shrugging off Colgate's defense. And just to get yeah. a little backstory of their defense, they haven't allowed a touchdown since week one. They have shut out four mm-hmm. opponents out of seven games. They have allowed six points in the last six games. They are the number one total defense. They give up 218 yards per game and only 3.5 yards per play. But then I looked at the teams they have faced and where they ranked offensively. They played Holy Cross, New Hampshire, Lafayette, William Mary, Bucknell, Cornell, 
and Georgetown. The best ranked offense wow. they have faced was week one, which just happens to be the last time they've allowed a touchdown. It was Holy Cross, who had the 92nd ranked offense. Uh, four of the six teams they have well, – five of the seven teams they have faced have an offense ranked 114th or worse. Um, they have faced the, the two worst offenses in William and Mary at number 123rd and Bucknell at 124th. And the average offensive rank for the teams they have faced is 112. So then that led me in a little different direction because I was going to use that to uh, really uh, state my claim for people because, you know, you talk about Colgate and what their defense is doing, and people are like, well, who have they played? And I get it. These aren't the toughest teams. They're not really being challenged. But still, I don't care who you're playing. To do this, it's not allowed a touchdown out of seven Mm -hmm. weeks to allow allow two touchdowns. They've allowed two touchdowns this season out of seven games. And they have four shutouts. Like that's still that's pretty, pretty incredible. So then I was, so then so Colgate has the number one ranked total defense, and they're number ninety fifth in total offense. So it wanted me to compare how other teams are. We're mostly the top ranked programs. So for my little group, I used North Dakota State, James Madison, UC Davis, Eastern Washington, and Kennesaw State. And most of these teams are basically like Colgate, very good in one one side of the ball, pretty average on the other side. North Dakota State is number 30th in offense and number 13th in defense. James Madison is 62nd in offense and number 5th in defense. UC Davis is number 11th in offense and number 82nd in defense. Eastern Washington is number fourth in offense and number 54th in defense. And Kennesaw State's really the only team that's pretty good on both sides of the ball. They're number 13th in offense and number fourth yeah. in um, defense. So the top 10, if you did took the total offense and just use the top 10 that way, the top 10 in total offense would be Princeton, JSU, as in Jacksonville State, Samford, Eastern Washington, Davidson, Idaho State, South Dakota State, San Diego, Western Carolina, and Howard. So two teams that are actually ranked in the stats top ten or in the top ten for total offense. And then the total defense top ten, Colgate, Maine, Jacksonville State, Kennesaw State, James Madison, Alcorn, Princeton, Dartmouth, Wofford, North Carolina A&T. Four teams that are actually in the top ten are in the top ten in defense. So the question I came up with, how much do statistics actually matter? Because you look at these. Not much. And it just, looks, it just seems like the, the, even the top teams like North Dakota State, James Madison, Eastern Washington, they're really good on one side of the ball and really yeah. pretty bad on the other side. Because I, I see a lot of James Madison fans talking about their offense. Offense. Especially Preston told me this every week. Right now, I haven't had a chance to watch very many James Madison games. I'm hoping to I catch up my FCS workload because I'm actually off this Saturday. So, 
I'll be able to catch up on FCS football. But this was interesting to me because I don't know how – it's like a rabbit hole, you know, just a statistics rabbit hole. Yeah. James Madison, who's known for their defense, top five defense, who's mm-hmm. pretty, who's seen as really just a bona fide number two team in the country by most people, 62nd on offense. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder how far – I mean, they they do say – defense wins championships. And you look at the top two teams, North Dakota State, James Bassett, number 30 in offense, number 62 in offense, but number 13 in defense, number five in defense. Say, is NDSU 30th in offense? Yes, they are. The guys averaged all their ranks according to the stats website, and I got 34th. That's how I wasn't sure. It may be. I don't know. Let's see. I don't remember the site. I, it's some, I figured it's somewhere in that range. <laughs> yeah. And it has them 17th on defense. Mine came from NCAA.com. It was 3 October 27th. That's probably more reliable. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally my math. I just did math to average it. That's why I wasn't sure what the exact ranking was. Oh, okay. Yeah, then Colgate... Number one total defense, clearly. Mm-hmm. But number yeah. 95th on offense. Just how good their defense is and how poor their offense is. Which I guess if you have a defense as good as that, your offense doesn't really have to be spectacular. Yeah, no kidding. But, like I said, they're not really facing the – they They're really not facing the toughest offenses. Their offense is 95th, or whatever you said, and they average 28.3 points per game. And they give up 3.3. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, they they yeah they get 339 yards per game. Because take away. Because their lowest rank on defense is field goals, and that's sixth. Everything else is one or two. Now, for that, you got to – I understand. you got to kind of consider who they've played, but BS game coming up in the year against Army. See, I'm excited for that one. Like, I know Army – Army's a pretty good FBS. Team. Yeah, they're six and, and two this year. They're, they're behind. Yeah. The only team they're behind right now is Notre Dame. They're six and two. Liberty somehow is four and three. Yeah, I'm very impressed with Army this year. Oh, Army plays back to back FCS schools. They play Lafayette, then Colgate. Practically, I mean, Army's not going to be a slouch. No, but in my opinion, they practically played three. No offense to Liberty, but... Oh, yeah, I saw that. I still consider I mean, Army did... Their first they took Oklahoma year, to overtime. Year, consider them. And they lost by seven there. Their only other loss was a if 20 Colgate... loss to Duke to open the year. 
Colgate does have the third best rushing defense. They allow 73 yards per game, 2.2 yards per carry. They're going to need that defense against Army. I feel oh, like no when I saw that last week, they play. I think they have a shot. If they if they play like their defense has played all year, they have a shot. Yeah, because that's well, like that defense gives them a shot against anybody. Army's offense averages forty. They average thirty-two point nine, so practically thirty-three points per game. And they give up on defense twenty point six. Let me see here. So. Yeah, Army's the second-best rushing team. They average 314 rushing yards a game, 4.6 yards per rush. I kind of want to look up now who the first rushing team is. An FCS or FBS? Or FBS, because if Army's number one, I wonder who number two is. Army's number two in rushing offense. Georgia Tech is number one. Georgia Tech? Yeah. They, they actually lead by a lot. <laughs> they average 50 more yards per game than Army. They score two, 10 more rushing touchdowns, and they average about two more yards per rush. They have a guy, his name's Tobias Oliver. He averages 6.2 yards an attempt, and he averages, I'd say about, I'd probably say about 80 yards a game. He averages. Which in the FBS, that's pretty good. There's a lot of passing offenses. <clears throat> All right. <coughs> we back speaking of defenses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, getting back to defenses, um, there are two teams in the top ten in defenses that actually face off this week, and it just happens to be our game of the week. It's an undefeated Ooh. Ivy League battle, Dartmouth at Princeton. Um, it's amazing how close these two teams actually are. Like I said, they're both they're both in the top ten in defense. Dartmouth is number eight. Princeton is number seven. Both schools are yeah. undefeated. Princeton is number one in scoring offense. They average fifty points a game. But Dartmouth isn't yeah. a slouch either. They're sixteenth. They, they average, average thirty-five points per game. Aver- and is it Princeton here? Yeah, Princeton averages five hundred and forty-nine yards a game. They've gotten 48 touchdowns this year. Yeah, so they're one now, of those teams funny, that's really good on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think because what's funny is Princeton, they average, they're number one in points per game at 50, practically 51 if you round. But then their defense yeah. is number two at giving up nine points per game. The only team they're behind is Colgate. They've only given up eight touchdowns this year. I this is gonna be a great I feel like we finally a great game of the week. That wise. Yeah, I could see I could see this going a lot like Towson and Delaware last week, you know, a oh, high yeah. scoring like forty to thirty six. But I could also see it being a defensive struggle. Like I could see it going both ways, just looking at how these teams match up. Because um, <clears throat> even in turnover margin, uh, Dartmouth is number one in the country in turnover margin. Princeton is number three. So, really, none of these teams have a huge edge. The biggest edge is Princeton on offense. Yeah, because Dartmouth, they haven't thrown any picks this year, and neither has Princeton. Fumbles, I, I didn't really look. Fumbles? 
doesn't look like they get they had fumbles either this year. <clears throat> I don't see their stats don't really show it, but it doesn't look like they fumbled much at all this year if they did at all. They've got they both yeah, got a lot of picks. Yeah, something's gotta give you know, Dartmouth you know, just keeping with the defense talk. They're number fifth in the country in rushing defense. Princeton is number where'd it go? They're number six in rushing offense. So these two teams really just match up really well with each other. Yeah. The strong suit of one team is the strong suit of the other team on the other side of the ball. So if you had to, if you had to pick a key to the game, what do you think will give the advantage to one team? Um, I'd say it's actually for both teams, and that's who can score the most. Because I think there's going to be a huge. Actually, for Prince, or no, I'm looking at the wrong. I am dumb right now. I'm sorry. I have three different tabs open, three different teams. I was looking at ASUs for a second, but. I think uh, I think actually I think defense is going to be the biggest key. I think this could be a very low because I know they're both average, very high scores. But I think this could be their one game that's really low, just because of how good both defenses are. Yeah, I agree. I think I could see this being more of a defensive game than anything. I think points are going to be at a premium, <clears throat> and just trying to find. A category statistically where both these teams are not like in the top 15. I finally found one, and it's red zone offense. Princeton is number nine in the country in scoring in the red zone. Dartmouth is only number 44, so that could be the difference. But then you go to the defensive side of the ball. In red zone defense, Dartmouth is number four. They're only – they've only allowed – okay – They've only allowed teams to be in their red zone 15 times this season. And they've only given up nine scores. Yeah. So 40% of the time when getting in the red zone on Dartmouth, they're not even allowing a score. Mm -mm. So really it's going to be who can get – I feel like it's going to be who can control the clock and who can score points when you get in the red zone? Oh, yeah. Because both these defenses are going to make the other team work for it. Oh, for sure. That will – they will gladly – I think they will gladly make each other work for it. If I'm not mistaken, this game's at Princeton's and not – It is. At least that's what the graphic I made says. If it's not, the graphic is always right. It looks like it is. They can still, they can move it to the just turn off to change the graphic. I think this is one of those games where home field really matters. So for Princeton to have that home, oh, I yeah. think it's really big. Oh, for sure. I think that's huge for them. I mean, I think look at what Dartmouth has done. That home field. Yeah, looking at what Dartmouth has done on the road, I mean, it doesn't really give me any 
reason to really worry because mm-hmm. they've played like they've played three road games so far. Holy Cross, Yale, and Columbia, and all three wins were by at least two touchdowns. Yeah. So it's just one of those games. I could see it being an offensive shootout or a defensive struggle. If it's a defensive struggle, I will give the edge to Dartmouth. But if it's a shootout, I I think Princeton's offense is too good to get in a shootout with if you're Dartmouth. Look at these results at all for these games. Think about this. Harvard lost to Dartmouth by seven. Yeah. Princeton lost to Harvard by eight. For both teams, that was their closest game was when they played Harvard. It says a lot about Harvard. <laughs> it says a lot about how they prepared for Harvard. Yeah. Cause now another Dart- common Princeton, opponent is Columbia. Dartmouth beat Columbia twenty-eight to twelve, and then Princeton, Princeton beat them forty-five to ten. Another one. Only once played Brown. Only once played Cornell. Once played Yale. And the only two opponents you can compare in this conference are Columbia and Harvard. Those are their last. At least for Dartmouth, those are the last two games. You know, the bad thing about this being the game of the week is, you know, doing the research on these teams and just seeing how they stack up against the FCS landscape really just makes me want to see these teams in the playoffs. Oh, I sure want to see these teams in the playoffs now. I wish they would, but as they've Academics come first in the fall. I'm in the I'm in the mindset that it'd be hard for me to play a season knowing that there's no chance of being in the playoffs. It's true. Want to move on? <clears throat> yeah, next in my notes is just going through the key games in our conferences. All right, maybe I'll pull back these conferences. Shoot. I'll just go ahead and jump into mine. Okay. I'm going to start with Tim's conferences. All right. Well, first, we're going to talk about a, le- a little bit. Uh, the MEAC, Florida A&M at Howard. It's the number one team, the MEAC, taking on the number three team. Uh, as we already said earlier, Florida A&M closes the Celebration Bowl with a win here. And if it was at Florida A&M, I'd feel a little bit more confident <clears throat> about where to go. But I think this could be a toss-up. I think it's going to be a really good game. Definitely want to keep an eye on. And just mm-hmm. See, if, if Florida A&M can close the Celebration Bowl, North Carolina and just have to win out, and I think they're going to get an invitation to the – FCS playoffs, and then 
Another game in the MEAC, no really significance, but Savannah State at Delaware State. Both these teams got a win last week for their first conference win. Delaware State got one for their first one of the season. So both these teams are on a winning streak. <laughs> hey, that's all it Going means, into right? the game. <laughs> and then they go on to the Patriot League, which doesn't get any better, is Holy Cross at Lafayette. <clears throat> And Holy Cross is a team that really fell apart because, you know, they opened the season with a, only a seven-point loss to Colgate, and then they got upset Yale. And so they they were poised yeah. for a decent year, but but here they are, two and six, fourth in the Patriot. One of those teams that really looked good early, but it fell apart. And then Bucknell at Lehigh, a pair of one and seven teams going head-to-head to get out of the dumpster. <laughs> Lehigh needs Ooh, this win. Little little joke for the group. Lehigh needs a win to bolster their playoff resume. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> going to the Colonial, a lot easier ones to choose from. Maine at Towson. It's going to be interesting to see how Towson bounces back. I feel like Maine is kind of that forgotten team. They are four and one in the Colonial as well, even though they are five and three overall. A winner I hear would really be big for the Black Bears, probably clinch a playoff spot, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think they could have especially on the road. And another game to keep an eye on is Rhode Island at Elon. Rhode Island got a big win <clears throat> last week against William and Mary. And they really keep their playoff hopes alive. So to go on the road, take on an Elon team who is clearly in the committee's eyes a top five team. If the Rams yeah. can win this game on the road, you, they're they're going to be in a position to be in in a playoff spot for an at-large bid, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, then kicking off my conferences, the seven the conference. The only other game I'd mention, Dakota, in the CAA, the only other game I'd mention is AMU needs to not sleep on New Hampshire. Hampshire's not not after what New Hampshire did last week. Yeah. New Hampshire's currently, as you said earlier, they're currently on a winning streak. Maybe one game, but I think that's still a winning streak. After how they started the year, they look a lot better than when they started. Yeah, especially last week <coughs> on the road against Villanova. Oh, yeah. <coughs> and, you know, we talked about uh, – sorry. And, you know, we talked about James Madison's offense really not being – better than average, really. New Hampshire's oh. got a top 16 defense. So it's not going to be an easy game, and it's at New Hampshire, I'm pretty sure, ain't it? It is at New Hampshire. <clears throat> yeah, so this, yeah, this, like you said, this isn't a game that James Madison can really take lightly. I feel like they're going to want to make a statement after last week's Almost goose egg versus Stony Brook, and I'm not saying Stony Brook's a bad team, but James Madison is really, really bad. Oh yeah. So they, I assume they'd want to come out, prove they're you know the bona fide number two team in the country against a UNH squad who's really had a down year this year, especially after having playoff expectations to start the season. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Okay, going to the SoCon, we got Wofford at Samford. Wofford, 
Let's see. Let me bring the SoCon up here. Sanford does sit at three and two in the conference. Wofford is in first place at five and one. And Wofford has looked good the last two weeks, you know, getting big wins over East Tennessee yep. State. And uh, last week against Mercer, especially following that 20-point loss to Furman a few weeks ago. Um, but Sanford, after you know, after that close game with uh, Florida State, they really struggled after that for the following, like, two weeks. But the last few weeks, yeah. they've really found their groove. Um they defeated. Uh, they were off last week, but before that, they defeated Furman. They dropped seventy-three on VMI, sixty-six on Western Kentucky, or not Kentucky, Western Carolina. Yeah. So, especially on the road in Birmingham, I would I wasn't surprised to see this game being you know a tied game or a touchdown game late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think um, this game and, will prove my thoughts about Wofford. If Stanford wins this game, that will completely prove my thoughts right. Yeah, a lot of teams are afraid to buy in on Wofford, especially after their loss to Furman. Um, we'll just have to see what happens this week. Another game in the SoCon, East Tennessee State at Mercer. <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. I did put Mercer in my graveyard. Um, they can play spoilers here because East Tennessee State is also in first. They're tied with Wofford, but Wofford gets the tiebreaker because they beat e- yep. ETSU. But, you know, if East Tennessee State can pull this off on the road and Samford can upset Wofford, then that puts the Buccaneers back in the driver's seat for the Southern Conference automatic bid. So if you're East Tennessee State, you just got to win out right here. Mercer is not going to be easy. Mercer did beat Samford. Um, in an upset earlier in the conference schedule. And then to close out the Southern Conference, it's Chattanooga at Furman. Chattanooga's kind of an up and down. You know, they started the season like 4-0, and but they've really kind of struggled the last few weeks. They yeah. almost lost to VMI last week. They did lose to Wofford. They did lose to East Tennessee State. Um they don't have a very favorable schedule to close out. They get Furman and then Mercer, and then they take on South Carolina, the SEC. So if you're Chattanooga, you really want to win these last two conference games to have a ch- probably an outside chance, but a chance at the at that large bid for the playoffs. Oh, going sure. to the Ohio Valley, uh, East Eastern Kentucky takes on Austin P. Austin P is sitting at four and four, <laughs> four and four on the season, two and three in the conference. You know, I, I thought they would fall off a little bit this year, but I wasn't expecting them to be sitting that all the way down at sixth place in the conference this late in the season. East Kentucky sitting at fourth place, so I feel like Austin. You know, one of these teams, they're you know they got the same overall record. Half a game separates them, or a game separates them in the conference. So, where this game can just use it to build momentum toward next season. And then Southeast Missouri State at Tennessee State. Tennessee State doing what they always do <coughs> year in and year out. Hold on. Tennessee State doing what they do every year, start off, you know, looking good. And then halfway through to the end of the season, really just falter. They're three and three overall, yeah. two and two in the conference. 
And SEMO, you know, they got a little bit of pressure. They already beat Jacksonville State, but now they got to beat these teams that they're supposed to beat if they want to hang on to first place in the Ohio Valley. So it's mm-hmm. going to see. It's going to be good to see how they match up with a team like Tennessee State on the road. <coughs> and then going to the SWAC, Prairie View at Jackson State. Another team I'll put in my graveyard, Prairie View. You know, they've lost the last couple of weeks to Southern and Alcorn State. So they need a lot of help if they want to win the SWAC. And then they travel to Jackson State, who has who fired their head coach this week. So it's just going to be interesting to see which team can get an upper hand in that matchup. And then Mississippi Valley State at Grambling. You know, you wouldn't expect this game to be one to watch in the swag, but how poor Grambling has looked this year, I feel like oh, anybody yeah. in the conference can beat him, especially after Arkansas Pine Bluff almost did last year or last week. <coughs> and that rounds out my conference. Uh, let's go through mine quick. I'll just look at two yours as you went through them. Let's start with the Big Sky. Not really many good games here. I'd say probably an elimination game would be Idaho State at Portland State. Losers out. Winner has a chance to make playoffs. Um, I think a trap game this week could be Eastern Washington at Northern Colorado. If Eastern, Eastern Washington needs to not overlook them, because Northern Colorado, yes, they're two and seven. Yeah, two and seven. And I think in their two straight wins, but I think North, Eastern Washington needs to not overlook them. But I think they can still easily get a win. And then in the Big South. We've got another big game this week for the Campbell Comet, Campbell Camels. We've got Kennesaw State and Campbell. That's a big game for both teams. Looking at Independence quickly. Not really any big games there. The Ivy League, as we've talked earlier, we got Dartmouth and Princeton, our game of the week. See, we got in the valley. Um, ISU against U and I. That's an elimination game, in my opinion, for both teams. Losers out, winner has a chance at playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that one. And then, little bias here, but at least for one team, NDSU and Youngstown's a big win, a big game this week because. NDSU wins. They have a share of the conference title and the automatic bid already, so they've already they would clinch. And then, if, if at least for NDSU, the SDSU Missouri State games big, the UNI ISU games big, and so is the Western Southern game because if Southern, Illinois State, and Missouri State all win, NDSU um, gets that outright, or even with a win there. As long as they win, so that's, those are some big men, at least for NDSU's standpoint. And then the Northeast, not really many good games here. A lot of five and three against two and six or three and five teams. And then 
Pioneer. We've got really probably the biggest game is probably San Diego, six and two, going to Drake, who are, who's five and two. And both teams are sitting in the top three of that conference. That's their biggest game in that conference. Down to the Southland. I'd probably say two biggest games are probably Sam Houston going to Incarnate Word and then Lamar going to Central Arkansas. So those are my top games for the week. Mine and Jeff. A lot of good matchups as the season keeps progressing along. Well, there's even more next week. As I, look, I was looking ahead, there's a lot of good matches next week. Because next week we'll have Towson going to Elon, Delaware going to Stony Brook, and UC Davis going to the Inferno at Eastern Washington. Those are right. three huge impactful games next week. It might be tough picking our game of the week next week. I don't know about the other conferences, but I know off the top of my head, I know next week the eyes and the OVC will be on Southeast Missouri at Murray State because JSU needs a SEMO loss. Unless they slip up this week. But. Who do you guys have this week? Tennessee State next week. This week it looks like you have so Tennessee, UT Martin. That sh- should be a win. The last time I said that, we lost. So <laughs> I think Tennessee Martin's at the bottom. Yeah, they're 1-7 overall. So hopefully – is that, is that very bottom? No, they're second to bottom. The only team they're ahead of is Tennessee Tech, and that was their – so that was the one way that could be their second. Their other win was over the dreadful this year after such a hopeful season, Austin P. All right, what's next on the agenda? That's all I had on my notes. Is that all we had? Yeah, that's all I had. <laughs> Got through a little quicker than I anticipated. <laughs> you did. Well, it helps that there's only two of us, so there's a little more back and forth type discussion that a lot of people are trying to overlap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have anything else you want to say? Not really, there's, there's some good games this week. There's some impactful games this week. Just watch football. That's what I plan to do most of the day Saturdays. Just watch football. Yeah, I'm finally on. I'm looking forward to it. I know we don't have practice, so I'm looking forward to it. So, I think we're going to wrap up early tonight, I'm guessing. It looks like according to this lineup. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. You want to close us out, or do you want me to? Works for me. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the four FCS Fanatics. Even though these last two weeks it's been the two FCS Fanatics, 
But we'll see you again next Thursday. Enjoy some football this weekend. Y'all have a good night. Have a good night.